Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. Welcome to Nonprofit Everything, the podcast where hosts Andy Shurek and Stacy Wedding answer your questions about all things nonprofit. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. I'm Stacey Wedding, and it's great to be here with you today. And I have special guest, Peter Schiano, Senior Consultant at Tech Impact. Welcome, Peter. Hey, nice to be here. Can you share a little bit about your background with, with our listeners? Sure. So I've been in the tech world my whole career. Um, a lot of it was in leadership positions in the commercial world, um, done everything from being in places that automated bad bakeries, um, a lot of years in industrial process controls for like people that wrote software and hard, did hardware for um, chemical plants and pharmaceutical plants, stuff like that. Number of years at a place that did higher ed, uh, Salesforce stuff for higher ed. And then for the last five plus years, I've been at Tech Impact and Tech Impact's a nonprofit that has two missions. We do some workforce development and we do uh, work with other nonprofits helping them use tech better. And that's the context that probably makes sense for today's conversation. Well, uh, your expertise is sure to come today. So we received a question and I'm just gonna go ahead and read this and have you dive in, Peter. So one of our listeners asked, my organization's development department has been using Razor's Edge 7 for years. We are finally ready to move on to a more updated CRM. However, there is pressure from other departments to move to Salesforce as our CRM rather than continuing with BlackBot. Currently, development is the only department with a robust CRM. We are trying to find an unbiased comparison to help us make an informed decision, but most of the comparisons available seem to be heavily biased in one direction or another. Any advice on how we should go about our fact-finding and decision process? So several questions wrapped into one there. Um, there's the specific comparison of Razor's Edge to Salesforce, and maybe we'll take that second. Let's Great. step back and look bigger picture. And how do you go about choosing software at a nonprofit or anywhere else? Um, and that starts by thinking about requirements. We do actually a fair bit of this at Tech Impact. We will help organizations go through the process I'm about to describe and you know, kind of be their Sherpa through those um, through those uh, passages. So you wanna start by getting a lot of stakeholders internally. And it sounds like you're ahead of the curve there and already doing that. You're talking to people beyond just development about what are the things we wish the system could do for us. Um, you, so you wanna you want to talk to people like finance and HR and definitely IT. And then obviously the people in your group that are gonna use it. If you're talking about a CRM, it could be a lot of different pieces of the organization. Um, and when you're picking any kind of software, you want to also take one step above the domain specific thing, whether it's a case management system or a fundraising system or a legal services, you know, management system. Take one step up from those specifics and ask things like, what kind of security do we need? Make sure it has multi-factor authentication. Let me just always put that out there. Um, does it need to work on mobile devices? How do you get data into the system? How do you get data out of the system? Um, you probably have learned with Razor's Edge, they hold their data objectionably close to their chest. That's one of the downsides of the BlackBot environment is it's kind of hard to get data in and out. Um, one contrast with Salesforce, Salesforce is super open um, with getting data in and out. Um, 
once you have your um, uh, requirements together, also think about reporting because data is useless if you can't get it out. Um, and reporting capabilities can often be a reason you pick one system over another. Um, once you have your requirements all in place, it's helpful to kind of prioritize them. You don't need to go hog wild on that. Low, medium, high, and even low and high would be fine. Um, so then once you have that, you're ready to start thinking about which solutions might fit that. But you got to get your requirements together and you have to get your stakeholders to agree you got it right before you start thinking about solutions. Make sure you define the problem first. And then um, you want to get a list of trusted players in the space. And you are correct that a lot of the material out there is, is, is biased. Um, part of Tech Impact publishes white papers on this. And we actually sometimes get sponsors for those white papers. But the people doing the research don't know who the sponsors are. And the sponsors don't see the report until after it's published. And they yell at us afterwards all the time for not saying nice enough things about their system, even though they wrote us a check. Um, but they did want to get the, you know, the fact finding out there. Um, but there are third parties like Captera and G2. These are websites which will give reviews by verified users of the systems of what they experience as the strengths and weaknesses. Um, a great place to get unbiased reviews is ask colleagues at other organizations. Um, what do your friends use? What do your own employees, what did they use in prior lives? People often have experience with systems that come into your organization that have used something else. Um, so once you know what systems you want to have as your potential search list, you can start with the internet. And if they miss a major feature that you need, if you know they have to, for example, do event management and their system doesn't have event management, cross it off the list. You don't need to think about it harder. Get your list down to something manageably small, maybe five, six, seven, that order of magnitude. And then maybe have a brief discussion with them to say, I can't tell if you have this or that, but you have the following features. So get it down to ones that truly have the stuff you care the most about. And then you can go forward to doing demos. Um, when it comes to doing demos, be careful. They want to show you the shiny objects, the things that they think are sexy. Um, you want them to show you the stuff that you care about, whether or not it's the shiny object. And some of the stuff you care about might be what they consider to be their warts. And they're not going to put it out on display unless you ask maybe two or three times to see that section. Um, so you want to have... Um, a good sense of what you want to see in those demos. And then after you've learned by reading and by talking and by seeing demos, you can put together a little bit of a spreadsheet that has your requirements. And then for each of the suppliers that you're considering, you can give them your rating. They're good at this. They don't have this at all. They're great at this. And then you could imagine doing a weighted score that says how important is this feature times how good are they that gets you a weighted figure for each of the scores, which you can then add up but it doesn't mean that you pick the system that has the highest score necessarily. You also got to consider cost. And you got to consider, does this system feel like it was built to solve my problem? Or is it a very generic system that I'm kind of bending to my needs, but it's not a natural fit? If you feel that way on day one, I promise you will still feel that way only more so on month 24. So you want to pick something that feels like it's a natural fit for what you're trying to do. Um, when you think about costs, Think about license costs, that's obvious. Think about implementation costs, including migrating your old data in. Think about credit card transaction fees. Some systems have very low licensing fees, but will charge you much more than the typical 3% per transaction, because that's really where they're making their money. Um, none of it's unfair, but you just need to look at it as big picture. What's the total cost gonna be? And then finally, what are the support costs? And the support costs can vary especially if you pick a system 
that's very general purpose, like Salesforce or or Dynamics from Microsoft, that you have to do a lot of configuration and and kind of system integrating, bolting pieces together. That's going to have a higher support cost than taking a purpose-built system that all it does is a fundraising CRM. Um, you probably don't need to think about it as hard. It probably doesn't have as high a rate of change that you have to keep up with. Um, so support costs on um, ones that are more flexible tend to be higher. Um, and then if you if you talk to the staff and they seem to really get you, like their questions show that they know your business, that's worth giving some weight to because somebody that understands the nature of your business processes is likely to be a good partner for you. It's not just the technology, it's the people. And um, having people on your side that that know your reality are much more likely to get you to something that's going to be successful for the long term. So big picture, that's kind of the process that we follow. Um, maybe take a breath now and um, we can then switch gears in a minute to talk about Razor's Edge specifically against Salesforce. I would have some thoughts there as well. Okay, that's uh, Peter. I'm just sitting there. My head is is spinning with all the great info you just shared. There's a lot there, but but what I'm hearing you say is it is a process. This isn't a quick decision you make in a day, right? So for our listeners who who just want to pick something quickly, that's oftentimes where regret and buyer's remorse probably comes in. So doing some of this analysis, gathering the data, the information, uh, gathering that from from your own research and some from reliable third-party sources that aren't uh, sponsors, or if they are, to your point, there was still a blind, a blind study, or or the someone sponsored it, not not necessarily having anything to do with promoting their their company or their software. So so I hear all of that. A couple of things I just want to follow up and ask you: Do you advise, or or do you think it might be wise? for people looking at solutions to ask for other users of the system and then to you know to ask for that reference list uh do, do you have any clients that do that or is that something you would advise that might be another smart step toward due di diligence absolutely and the best reference if you're talking about moving between systems is can you find somebody that used to be on the same system you're on now that moved to this one in particular, because that will give you a sense. And did and and if there's more than one organization, like if you say if you go to Salesforce, Salesforce literally it's not Salesforce employees that implement you. You use an implementation partner, and if you if you're considering using a certain implementation partner, ask them for references of people that they moved in your case, like say from Razor's Edge to Salesforce. And you can hear how that ride went, because that could be a bumpy ride, that migration ride. Um, so, yeah, getting references is critical. And the best reference of all is one that you find on your own, not through the supplier. Because the supplier is only going to introduce you to success stories. Not course, every story right. is a success. Um, so, again, at reaching out to your peer networks, who is using this system? Do you like it or not? Did you happen to migrate from Razor's Edge? Can you tell me who you use to do that? Um, that's the best of all. The suppliers will introduce you to people, but they will not introduce you to the failures. I've worked as a supplier, I can promise you that's what's going to happen. Absolutely. Of course, right? That's just what smart business people do. So totally understand that. That's a really good point. So question also, you know, you look at, we have a variety of size nonprofits that listen to this podcast from those who have just gotten their start to those who are much larger. And 
how much of the planned growth and your needs should be taken into consideration? And just to elaborate for our listeners, because we oftentimes see, right, nonprofits buy a system that they need right now without thinking about their growth and where their goals are and strategically where they're headed. And so that solution may fit for them now and doesn't necessarily fit for their growth or doesn't even have an option for them to grow within a system. So so I, can you speak to that a little bit of how to address that or think through that as you're coming up with these solutions? Yeah, growth can mean several things, right? Growth can mean the number of clients that you're serving. And most systems, that's not really a problem. They can accommodate an arbitrarily high number of records. They may have pricing that that gets steeper as you have more clients. And maybe if those if that pricing has some ugly breakpoints in it, thinking about that when you're making your decision, know what the price levels are for larger record counts than what you're starting with. But growth can also mean. Well, for now, we don't care if it has events. For now, we don't care if it manages volunteers, thinking about things that maybe have to do with fundraising CRMs as an example. Um, and think about, okay, you know, do they, you could put that on your search matrix and give it lower weight, perhaps. Like, do they have, do they have these modules, even if we're not going to use them now? Um, if they don't have these things, is it easy to integrate? Like, if we decided to buy a standalone volunteer package, is it easy to get at least the names? From the volunteer package into the CRM so we can maybe solicit them for donations as well, even if the volunteers aren't literally managed in the same package. So um, thinking about which functions you need and if they're could they be in this system down the road, or if they're going to be in some other separate best of breed system, could you at least get the data to exchange to the degree that you think you'd want to? Um, those are some of the ways you can think about growth as you get into it. Um, it's definitely the case that the much less expensive and simpler to implement systems have less of the bells and whistles, cover fewer domains of functionality. They're, they're typically focused on a smaller set of things. And so your, your odds of outgrowing one of them is much higher if you're in something as flexible as Salesforce or as, you know, or as large a suite as Blackbot offers to go with the razor's edge example. Um, you know, you, you'll probably be able to, to grow out into other things in their ecosystem if you choose to stay there. Um, but some other things are kind of more standalone and only do their one little thing. And, and that's where your question becomes a bit more relevant. You know, and I would say if you're pretty confident you're going to be good for three to four years, any of us that pretend we know what's going to be happening in five years is lying through our teeth. So take that for what it's worth. That's a really good point, especially after our last few years. So. All right, Peter. Well, thank you. It was uh, incredibly helpful. I learned uh, several things, and it's, it's just a good reminder of of all of the components and how you can really do a thoughtful analysis to end up with the right system. Because this is an investment, and I know that organizations want to make the right investment, and it's all too often that they don't go through a process like this and end up regretting it. So I'm, I'm glad we have some guidance now for those organizations. Now, the listener also mentioned this sort of tension internally, right, between whether they use Salesforce or, you know, BlackBot, um, continuing with the Razor's Edge 7 through BlackBot. Um, it, do you want to speak to that a bit? Uh, you know, we don't we have to go into a lot of details, but anything you want to share related to that piece of the question? Yeah. So again, to, to pull up above the functionality level for, for starters, um, strategically, the Blackboard Razor's Edge world 
they are all about nonprofit fundraising. And so that's going to be, it's going to have kind of the most bells and whistles specific to that. It's not going to have the same degree of flexibility. Um, Salesforce is flexible, I would say, to a fault. Um, you can do anything you want, just a small matter of bolting on the right add-ons and configuring and sometimes programming stuff to get to where you want to go. Um, if you need, often when we're, when we're counseling people to consider options for a CRM, if it's only going to be fundraising, Salesforce is not often the first thing that we reach for because it's it's a very complex and flexible ecosystem with a lot of moving parts that move even when you don't want them to move. But it's got a ton of benefit if you want to use it for other things. So if you, it sounds like you already have other reasons to be in Salesforce, but I would encourage you to look strongly at whether Salesforce can be a good fit for fundraising for you. Um, if you're an organization that doesn't already have Salesforce and the only reason you would get it is for fundraising, you might be better served by getting uh, another system that's built by an organization that's all about only nonprofit fundraising. And you're going to find that's less expensive to manage over time because it doesn't have all of these. Salesforce is trying to be everything to everybody. And that means the environment is constantly churning and you have to run in place just to stand still um, to keep up with the changes that are coming that you didn't ask for. Um, but if you value that flexibility and that ability to solve other kinds of problems in there, like you could use it to, to model your program and you could use it to model other things about your operations. Um, that can be very powerful to have that under one roof and it's worth the complexity. So that's the strategic level trade-off. At the ground level trade-off, when it comes to fundraising, Razor's Edge has most of the stuff out of the box. They have a way to take a credit card. They have a way to send a bulk email. Salesforce doesn't have them out of the box. You have to bolt on add-on products and congratulations, you're now a system integrator. Um, you've got to put oh, that boy. stuff together and you've got to manage it. You'll, you'll hire an implementation firm to make it happen, but for the life of your solution, You've got to have somebody internally or externally that can keep those separate pieces playing together. You might be using MailChimp or Constant Contact for your email. You're not sending it out through Salesforce. That's really not a thing. Um, same way that they don't have, they've recently introduced Elevate, which is their branding for a way to um, take credit cards online. It's a young offering. Um, but until that recent introduction, you had to bolt on something like, you know, um, uh, classy or soapbox engage as a bunch of competing products that will do fundraising online and push the data into Salesforce. If you're with Razor's Edge, you're kind of got it kind of all comes as a kit, good to go. Um, so that's that's an advantage of being there. Salesforce is much better about getting data in and out. Um, Salesforce has a connection to Power BI to Tableau to do nice reporting from other data systems, like from your finance system, harder to do with Blackboard. So those are some of the big picture trade offs there. Um, you know, if you like flexibility and getting the data in and out and you're willing to stomach the cost that goes with that complexity, Salesforce is a powerful place to be. If you want it a little bit simpler and you want you value deep expertise in nonprofit fundraising in your partner at the vendor level, then that's an advantage in the Blackboard camp. Not that that expertise I, is absent at Salesforce, but it's not all they do. I really appreciate that context. And I also wonder, Peter, Salesforce has that great gimmick, right? I'm calling it a gimmick. Let, come on in. We give you a 10, is it 10 free licenses, right? Free like a puppy. 
<laughs> no puppies are free, right? And I've heard so many nonprofits have those pain points and feel really frustrated because they're like, man, I got in there and now back to what you said about system integration and the add-ons and, oh, any training I need or whatever. And so I guess this is a cautionary tale for those. This goes back to that first part of our conversation about really asking the right questions and understanding because how do you, it's easy when someone's selling you a product to get excited by the word free, but when it's probably too good, when it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Is that yeah, a often fair assessment, those, Peter? I often call those 10 free licenses like the sirens luring you onto the rocks. Um, it's, uh, you need to have a fair bit of expertise in Salesforce to be successful in the system. It's hard to get that on the fly. You kind of have to have an experienced partner with you. A lot of what we do at Tech Impact is help people with their Salesforce systems actually. And um, we are not shy about recommending times when they're in Salesforce and it's not the best fit for them because it's too big a hammer. It's too complicated a tool for the small problem they're trying to solve. That said, we do some really interesting work with organizations that get tremendous value out of being in Salesforce because they need that flexibility to do things to wrap around their unique business process in the way they serve their community. So um, we, we totally get it. It's, it can be the right tool, but it is um, it has kind of a high minimum entry uh, bar. And it's good to have a lot of reasons to want to jump over that bar more than just fundraising typically in our experience. And if you know three, four person operation and all you're trying to do is, is um, you know, just take some online gifts and chase a few big fish donors, um, you better have somebody that has a high technical acumen if you're going to bite off Salesforce on your own. It's, it's, it's a big lift. Okay, that's that's great. Great advice. So you mentioned, as we close out, you mentioned the idea or that Tech Impact has white papers and education. Do you have to be a client of Tech Impact to get those? Or is that something that if we put a link in our show notes, people could sign up to maybe get those kinds of communications oh, absolutely. from Tech yeah. Impact? For those that, if you go back a number of years ago, there was an organization called Idealware that published these kinds of, um, you know, kind of consumer guides for 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 fundraising systems, consumer guides for case management. Um, they became part of Tech Impact several years ago, but that same model goes forward. Now, uh, the, the consumer guides are, um, they're all without cost and be taken from our website. No problem, I'd be happy to hook you up. Okay, well, great. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your expertise, Peter. We really couldn't do this podcast without guest experts like you. And uh, you will clearly are savvy and know your stuff. If that isn't a big uh, endorsement for Tech Impact and using Tech Impact, I don't know what is, even though that is not the purpose of this. Uh, it was just about sharing your information. But I I will share just as a, a kudos to Tech Impact and all you country with nonprofits. I I know of so many who have used your services and have received the expertise and tech support they need uh, over the years. And so keep up the great work. I, I know you're a huge asset to the nonprofit sector. Thanks. I made the move five years ago and, and been super happy. Um, one of the things I love to do is work myself out of a job. Um, when we're doing Salesforce coaching, our objective is always to grow either out of a job or into a more interesting job. But we don't like to be the miracle occurs here when we're helping people. We like to show what we're doing. Like I kind of just shared our process for doing software selection. You know, if you can run on your own, that's the best. Um, if you want help, we're, we're always happy to jump in. But um, we're trying to build capacity in the sector. And um, every nonprofit should be trying to work itself out of a job. Best case. 
Oh, amen. That's music to my ears. I couldn't agree more. And I love what I, one of the things I love about Tech Impact is it's a nonprofit. So you're supporting a fellow nonprofit when you use Tech Impact services. So it's, it's nonprofits helping each other and you all have um, a wealth of knowledge and expertise. So thank you for sharing yours with us today, Peter. And uh, to our listeners, as always, we appreciate you. We appreciate your questions and we will continue to bring in the guest experts as needed and uh, have a great day, everybody. Talk to you soon.